What is up, my dudes? It is Alec Lindstrom, former Boston College offensive lineman. You're listening to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. Go Eagles and go ACC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, week five in the books. Uh, I just got back from traveling, so we'll see how this goes. Uh, how are you doing? Did you get to watch some games this weekend? I watched pretty much all of them. I was just yawning, so I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Likewise. That's, that's how it works when you're watching a lot of college football and then you have a kid. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. And yeah. I didn't even travel this weekend. You traveled. I don't have an excuse. I'm just old. So. I would say I'm yeah. Being in your thirties is not for the, uh, not for the week of heart here. Uh, it's... I, I took my kid to the pumpkin patch today in the middle of the day. And now I'm exhausted. You mm-hmm. traveled. You have a good excuse. So yeah. You know, stay are. up way too late and you know, that, that yeah. whole thing. Anyways, right. uh, Mike, we had six games that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to go through and recap them. Um, should we just start in Atlanta? Just can we just like rip the bandaid off and just get be done with this? Yes, let's do it. Bowling Green 38. Scott is there. Yeah, there you go. Georgia Tech 27. Nice, um, Joey. What the fuck was this? Sorry, language. I, yeah, but... I. So as I as I thought about this after the fact of how do I want to address this on the podcast is uh, do I want to basically say nothing and act like this didn't happen? Do we need to mark this episode as explicit? Mike, Mike you've already covered that. Um, and yes, happy to do it. Basically, use some more colorful language than I typically would on on such a show. Um, I think just in general, I, I think the way that I would sum this up is and I tweeted this out yesterday is. If this is not the low point of the Brent Key era, the Brent Key era is not going to last very long mm-hmm. um, because this is inexcusable. It is embarrassing. It is a horrific. This is such a bad loss. Like this, this is worse than the Northern Illinois loss. I would say yeah. from a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, we I, told I you, Scott. Scott and I warned the listeners on the instant reaction last night that you had. We were texting yesterday, and you had uh, your echelon. Yeah, yeah, please subscribe. The echelon of losses for Georgia Tech in the last couple of years that have been mm-hmm. like ugly, real bad. And we we said this had a definitive place on your list. Worse than the Northern Illinois loss. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I mean, that Northern Illinois team at least went nine and three and like won the MAC. I mean, so there's that. This is not <laughs> right, a good true. bowling green team. Like no. this this is not. And it's um I, I I think this is probably a little bit more excusable than the Citadel, but not by much. I mean, right. I mean, there have there have been some like absolute stinker, like clunker games for Georgia Tech over the last few years. I don't know why this continues to happen. This is a game where they're a three touchdown favorite. Uh, I believe it was Paul Moala, the transfer linebacker from Idaho, if I'm not mistaken, uh, who said in the postgame press conference, basically like, yeah, I think we overlooked these guys. You know, basically didn't take it very seriously, Like stated this verbatim, you know, publicly. In- in the conference, yeah, you, you know, all this stuff. So I th- this was incredibly frustrating. I thought the defense was horrific in this game. Um, B- Bowling Green goes 10 of 17 on third downs, and that sounds bad. It gets worse when you start looking at the third downs that they converted. 
let's see if I can go find this list. Um, because it was somewhere, but basically it was like if they converted 10, 10 third downs, it was like third and one, third and one, third and one, third and eight, third and nine, third and nine, third and ten, third and twelve, third and fifteen. Like basically it was a bunch of third and longs that I don't know if this team just falls asleep at the wheel or what it is, but I mean it was constant. It just kept happening. Bowling Green was seven of eleven on third down the first half and ten of sixteen for the game. Yeah. I I mean the linebackers on defense look terrible this year, really bad. And in the secondary, the tackling was an absolute atrocity in this game. Just defensively, this was a total total mess. They could not get off the field. They looked flat. They looked like they didn't they didn't want to be there. I don't know. Like this was it was so bad. So bad. Yeah. Uh Bowling Green held the ball in this game for over 42 minutes. Yeah, that's a that's a, a school record for Georgia Tech for smallest yeah. time of possession. Uh, the opponent holding it for you know nearly 43 minutes of the game because uh, yeah. the defense just couldn't get off the field. Bowling Green in this game had 10 penalties for 113 yards, and at one point they were leading this game 38 to 14. Georgia Tech got yeah. that ass beat. Yeah, yeah. Haynes King wasn't good. Um, what's funny? Cal- empty calorie passing yards here. The the stat line. If you didn't watch the game, the box score looks a lot better than how he played. He a lot of empty calorie passing yards here in the fourth quarter when they were trying to claw out of a really deep hole. Yeah. What's funny is that they they actually scored touchdowns on uh, on two of their first six offensive plays. Mm-hmm. You had first play of the game, 53 yards to Eric Singleton touchdown, and then you had a five-play 71-yard touchdown drive made it 14 to nothing. Yeah. Then it was 38 to 14. Bowling Green ripped off 38 points in a row here. Um just man, just a mess. Total total system failure was the term that came to my mind. Total system failure. Uh, Haynes King, not good. Offensive line, not good. They couldn't run the ball against Bowling Green. Like, good Lord, man. Um, yeah. yeah, this was, this is awful. So bad. And, and I mean, I don't know. It, it would have been frustrating if you win this game by like a touchdown. It's way worse than that. When, when you, uh, you end up losing this game and kind of getting blown out like this, this sucked. Yeah. The, the final score, probably not indicative of how big of a blowout this game actually was. This was pretty concerning for Georgia Tech here. Uh, mm-hmm. Honeymoon's over for Brent Key. You can't lose this game, first of all. Yeah. Uh, now, I will say, like, I have liked a lot of what Brent Key has done in his first, you know, 12, 13 games of this era, right? The back half of last year and kind of what Georgia Tech honestly brought to the table this year so far. I know mm-hmm. there have been some losses early in the year. The defense hasn't been great, but Haynes King been better than expected except for Saturday against Bowling Green has been pretty pretty good as a transfer right yeah. uh, better than I anticipated I questioned him as the starter coming into the year I thought it should have been Zach Pyron and Haynes King quickly proved me wrong mm-hmm. played very yeah. well so you know by and large I've been you know pretty impressed overall by the Brent Key era but you can't lose this type of game I mean, yeah. you can't do it. This is this was Collins esque on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's call it what it is. This was yeah. insane. I mean, you can't be you can't be down thirty eight to fourteen at Bowling Green. This is going to be a a you know a bottom tier team in the MAC. You can't be down four scores. You know, uh, right. rough like three and a half scores. Terrible. I mean, just terrible by Georgia Tech. Don't know what they're yeah. doing. Now, I will say, like defensively, this has been bad all year, right? And some mm-hmm. of the similar issues they've been having tackling kind of popped up again bad angles. assignments 
blown assignments. Yeah. It's been bad defensively this year for Georgia Tech. Coming into the year, I thought this was probably going to be a strength of the team, and they just have not lived up to the billing on that side of the ball, leading to a uh, defensive coordinator demotion, which, Joey, I'll let you kind of expand upon in detail, but Andrew Thacker was demoted on Sunday. Um, He's simply just going to be the safeties coach for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. So this was something that, you know, Brent Key, you have to do something after a loss like this. When the defenses mm-hmm. look this bad and continues to be an issue and you put out this type of performance against a team that you're a three-touchdown favorite against, you have to make a move like this. And he didn't outright fire Andrew Thacker, but I would be surprised if Andrew Thacker is still on the staff next year. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with that. It's I, I I was a little surprised that it's, it's a demotion and not a firing. Like, yeah. I'm, I don't understand like trying to keep the guy on. Cause I agree with you. Like at this point, there, there's no way you keep this guy on your staff for next year. Um, right. And you don't have like an analyst or someone in the room that can step in and be the safeties coach. If that's the direction you want to go or something yeah. like that. You know, I, I don't fully understand the demotion thing, but um, I, I definitely understand need to make a change at defensive coordinator. Like at the end of the day, like you've got to get a different voice in that room because this is not working at all. Um, it, it hasn't worked really all year other than last week against uh, Wake Forest, I guess, which, again, seeing that performance and then seeing this performance is really kind of bizarre uh, for what that's worth. But makes me I, wonder about. <clears throat> sorry. Makes me wonder about Wake. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I'm yeah, not happy with how this went, like to say the least. Um, I, I was. You know, I was honestly kind of steamed even throughout like the wedding yesterday, kind of seeing seeing the score and kind of watching what was happening. It was like, you gotta be kidding me. This is yeah, this is unbelievable. It's embarrassing. It's it's unacceptable. Um, I, I'm not making a single excuse for for the way this team played, and it just this sucked. You can't have this happen. Yeah. So uh I mean Collins ask. This is something yeah. Jeff Collins would do. You don't want to be like Jeff Collins. So yeah, I thought Brent I thought Key, we were past this. Like, I th- I thought, and I certainly thought Georgia Tech was past this with Brent Key. The way things have been going, and again, been impressed with the offense by and large this year. Uh, Georgia Tech did not really perform that great offensively on Saturday, obviously, but by and large this year, I, I've been pretty impressed with Georgia Tech offense. This was rough. Yeah. This was yeah. rough. So they go to Miami next week where they're a casual 23-point underdog. We'll see how that goes. Mm. Uh, well, Georgia Tech's surprised us before against Miami. So Yeah. Wouldn't be the first time. Bowling Green 38, Georgia Tech 27. Uh, yikes. Where to next, Mike? Uh, Louisville 13, NC State 10 Friday night. I mm-hmm. don't really know what NC State's doing on offense here. I don't know not, what they're not doing. Not much. I think it's time to at least contemplate a quarterback change. And I don't Something. think I, and, and look, I don't think Brennan Armstrong is the problem. He's certainly part of it though. And the offense could use a little bit of a spark. Yeah. I, I don't know. I go back to the comments that Dave Doran made after the game last week and talking about some of the things that were going on there. And I, I'm, I'm confident that I don't know the whole story. Um, I, I did hear the the note that I think Jordan Houston basically backed out of the team. I think was it was it right before this game or was it right before last week's game? Basically trying to yeah. retain eligibility for you know to transfer and go somewhere else. Um, but yeah, they're having all sorts of problems on offense right now, and it feels like it's a little bit reminiscent of uh, 
well, some of the things we said about Clemson's offense last year, which was yeah, it's very much. It's not just one thing here. It doesn't seem like Brandon Armstrong's playing very well. He's not getting a lot of help from the skill guys. The offensive line hasn't really looked all that great. It's yeah, the scheme hasn't been super impressive. It's just kind of everything right now that it it's not working for the Wolfpack. No. No, it's not. I, the offensive line has been pretty bad all year. And NC State, to be quite honest with you, they really couldn't run the ball against Louisville on Friday mm-hmm. night. I mean, Brand Armstrong was the leading rusher. He had 17 carries for 61 yards. That was okay, I guess. Some of those came off of scrambles. Mm-hmm. They really couldn't establish any sort of run. Michael Allen was their leading rusher, like your leading non-quarterback rusher. Eight carries for 22 yards. They had nothing in the running game and the passing game continues to be a gigantic issue, right? Cause yep. Armstrong's running for his life. The receivers can't get open. Armstrong's been inaccurate, right? He's, he's just missed flat out missed guys. So I don't want to put this all on the offensive line. Armstrong hasn't played well either. Mm-hmm. T- uh, 13 of 25 for one twelve and two picks, bruh. I mean, come on. This, this is, this was supposed to go a little bit better than this. For Robert. Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> it's big time. Kobe. Actually, no doubt about it. He's a I mean, this is your, uh, you know, what is he? Fifth year, sixth year? Like, yeah. he's played a lot of football. He's, he's, you know, he's been a quarterback in this league for a long time. This is better than you. You, you would expect better from Brennan Armstrong than what he gave you on Friday night. This is worse than what he was doing at UVA last year. Like, oh yeah, he's, he he's playing worse, and he's he took a considerable step back last year at UVA, and we blamed offensive line. We started to blame mm-hmm. offensive line this year against NC, for NC State, but at some point. It's on you too. Yeah, <laughs> like he just has not been very good. That's that the one interception was so bad, so bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I just, yeah, it wasn't good. And that's the NC State side. Okay, fine. Louisville offensively, Jack Plummer. I'm not what? sure that Jack Plummer is actually all that good. He might kind of be ass, right? I I yeah. don't want to. I, I, mean, I, I think defi- definitively like Jag status there, right? Like he's just a guy. Yeah. 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 Or he's a plumber. <laughs> or he's a plumber. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, not that kind of plumber. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Mario Luigi action. Fine. <laughs> I just think that Louisville. I don't want to say he's got some fraud in him, but Joey, I think what you said about them being like aggressively competent, you said that about Louisville, right? Definitely Duke. Okay, Duke. That's fine. Well, we'll have a conversation about them in a minute. Mm-hmm. But Louisville is uh, competent against the teams they're playing. Mm-hmm. And we'll find out a lot about them next Saturday night, I think. Yeah, that'll that'll be an interesting spot for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this is the thing, right? And this is what we said about Louisville coming into the year is they probably won't be the third or fourth best team in the ACC, but they might finish third or fourth in the ACC because mm-hmm. of their schedule. Yeah. They're five and zero. look who they've beaten Georgia tech, Murray state, Indiana, Boston college, NC state. All those teams are bad. Is, are, is any one of those teams going to a bowl game at this point? I know. Probably I, not. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. It's a fair you question. Know. Probably not. Um, yeah, I, credit to Louisville. They, they did what they had to do to win this game. Um, yes. and, and especially they were down 10 to nothing at halftime. The offense accomplished almost nothing in the first half, uh, comes out, gets just enough done in the second half to, uh, make this a, a victory for the cards. But, um, you know, defensively, I thought Louisville was pretty impressed. Both. I thought both teams were pretty impressive defensively. Um, NC yeah. state, especially as much as their offense struggled for them to just keep, keep going out there, keep getting stops, um, and, and to hold up well, I thought, against this Louisville receiving core in particular, um, 
I I don't know what more I could ask from either of the defenses here. I, continuing to be underwhelmed by NC State's offense, Louisville's offense did not have a great night here either, and I, I think some of that was NC State doing a really nice job bottling up the run. Um, Jawar Jordan, speaking of Kobe candidates, 16 carries for 32 yards. Yeah, uh, that's not that's not going to get it done. And you, usually we would expect a lot more from him. So, yeah. I yeah, credit to Louisville, got it done here. Um, NC State defensively looked really good. Offensively, we're falling down a hole here and got, might not yeah. come back out. Yeah, yeah, got some work to do on offense. Uh, yep. Uh, we'll we'll see about a bowl game for NC State. Yeah. We'll see. Definitively, we we'll see. We'll see. Louisville 13, NC State 10. Mike, these recaps so far brought to you by Section103.com, the Internet's premier place for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. Uh, I was wearing mine while I was traveling this weekend, showing my support for a team that was losing to Bowling Green. That was awesome. Uh, Drawing my attention, you know, attention to myself that way and and making sure people knew knew to ask, uh, you know, what did I think about all that? Um, They've got things for men, women, children, something for the whole family. They've got T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. Uh, I was wearing my hoodie as well, uh, kind of sitting out on the back porch way too late last night. So that was awesome. Uh, they have things with the ATL logo, all the official word marks, the official tech gold, anything you need to wear to sh- show your support for Georgia Tech. Uh, go find it at section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Uh, really appreciate Steven and the gang for their partnership. They continue to make some fantastic, fantastic apparel Highly recommend supporting them and, uh, you know, showing your support for Georgia Tech, even uh, in some of these dark days, Mike, as they happen. Yeah. Yeah. Go buy some apparel. Make yourself feel better. There you go. There you go. Mike, do you uh, do you need to make yourself feel better? Uh, Virginia Tech 38, Pittsburgh 21. Hell yeah, Hokies. Hey. Hey. Who called it? Hell yeah, baby. We Who both did. It? We both called it. <laughs> we both called it. Oh, man, Joey. I am the smartest man alive. <laughs> this felt well good. done, Scott. Joey, yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, the, the drops have been just on point recently in general, but that one was real good. <laughs> Joey, this was fantastic. Look, yeah. Look, listen, listen. Pittsburgh's a terrible football team. We're, we're going to talk in, I'm, I'm going to get my Virginia Tech bit off here, and then we're going to talk a lot about Pittsburgh because. Mm-hmm. Is Pittsburgh going like two and ten, three and nine? We'll get into that in a moment. Pretty bad. Virginia Tech here, listen, defensively, we, we've talked about defense all year, right? The rushing defense, especially, has been terrible. Bottom of the FBS bad. Offense has been terrible. Inconsistent coaching, both sides of the football, lack of identity, especially on offense. Defense, the linebackers have been terrible, can't fill gaps against the run. Pittsburgh had two big plays in this game, two. They had mm-hmm. a 75-yard touchdown pass uh, to Bub Means. Great, great play. Phil Dracovic made a nice throw. Means broke out in the secondary. Great play. Uh, they also scored on a screen pass, which, again, that was poor tackling by Virginia Tech, right? Poor tackling. And then Pittsburgh also scored on a Kyron Drones kind of freak play. He was rolling out to the right. Ball slips out of his hand as he's, like, literally releasing the ball to kind of throw it away or throw it up the field mm-hmm. ball slips out of his hand a little bit of fumble luck bounces into the arms of a Pittsburgh defender he runs it in for a touchdown right Virginia Tech went Virginia Tech was up 28 to 7 and then the screen pass to Sebo Flemister happened on the ensuing drive it was 28 to 14 Virginia Tech gets the ball back and then like two plays later that fumble happens it, it goes from 28 7 
to 28-21. In like three plays. In basically. like basically three plays, right? Um, Virginia Tech was forced to punt on their ensuing offensive possession. It looked like Pittsburgh had all the momentum now. They're down touchdown. Virginia Tech's defense didn't fold. They get a huge third down sack. Keontae Jenkins, big time sack. Pitt has to punt. And then Kyron Drones hits Jalen Lane, who had been missing for a couple of weeks as he had a hamstring pull. He looked healthy, right? 50, 53 yard touchdown reception, I think it was, to really put the thing away in the third quarter because Pittsburgh's offense really didn't have much going all night outside of those two big pass plays. Um, Virginia Tech's rushing defense here, much improved. Again, mm-hmm. it's Pittsburgh. Pitt's got plenty of issues on offense. They're a bad football team right now. I get it. But Virginia Tech's been having some issues against some mediocre to bad offenses in the early part of the schedule with tackling, run fits, all that stuff. Tech cleaned it up, man. Pitt, 24 carries. Again, there's some sacks in here. But 24 carries for 38 yards as a team, 1.6 yards per rush. Buddy, I mean, Sebo Flemister was the leading rusher. He had 10 carries for 41 yards. Mm-hmm. Well done. Kobe. Kobe, Kobe candidate. Well done by the Virginia Tech defense in this game. Again, wasn't perfect, but it was pretty good. Virginia Tech's offense haven't even talked about yet. Tyler Bowen, offensive coordinator. The fan base wants to fire him going into this game. He has been, they haven't done anything right. Execution has been bad. Play calling has been suspect. You know, you, you replace, you know, Grant Wells due to injury for Kyron Drones. Then, you know, against Rutgers, it looks like they're calling the right plays for him. And then against Marshall, you're trying to turn him into a drop back passer, which isn't his strength. And then it was like he had an epiphany this week. And all of a sudden, Virginia Tech's creative in the run game. They're outside runs, inside runs, getting the ball out to receivers quickly in space, mixing in deep throws down the field. All of a sudden, Kyron Drones looks like a good court. He looks like a good quarterback. You know, he he goes 12 of 19 for 228 and three scores. He had two more touchdowns on the ground. Virginia Tech's leading rusher, Bayshell Tootin. They've been trying to get him going all year. He had 24 carries for 109 yards in this game, averaged four and a half yards per rush. Pittsburgh's defense has got some, they got issues of their own. But Virginia Tech's offense, this was the most complete performance of the Brent Pry era on offense and on defense. A plus mm-hmm. <laughs> as a Virginia Tech fan. A plus. We've been waiting for a performance like this for a year and a half against, again, it's a bad Power 5 team, but man, Tech fans have not had much to cheer about in the Brent Pry era. This was fantastic on Saturday night. This was the circle the wagons game. It looked like it from the start. Virginia Tech's defense came out firing. They're pumping up the crowd. It's a whiteout at Lane Stadium. It was not like we said earlier in the week, it was a sellout. It wasn't like a BS sellout. That place was packed last night. Hmm. loud enter sandman bumped on national tv and then tech actually backed it up with some play on the field for once fantastic i am very happy i don't know how many more wins we're going to have this year i was thrilled about this one on saturday night though in pittsburgh joey let's get into pit i'm saying well so i only have one thing to add regarding virginia tech yeah this is why you play kyron drones bingo the ability to have a game like this bingo Run, this is why pass. this this is why you play Anthony Calandria, or <laughs> you know you choose not to, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh-huh. in any case, yeah, good stuff. Good job, Virginia Tech. Uh, Pitt, this team sucks. Mike. This team's this terrible, is, man. There's not a lot that they do very well right now. No, um, other than just like random explosive plays in the passing game, apparently. 
I mean, Phil Trakovic at one point in this game had five completions. He was like five of 17 passing or something. For like 180 like yards or something like five of five of sixteen, it was bad. Five of sixteen for like a hundred for like 180 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, weird. He's he he just not very good. Mm-mm. Not at this point. No, I mean, and, and again, we, I mean, we can speculate is he is he hurt or what? But like, yeah, so, something's not there. It's not clicking right now. And yeah, man, I, I, it's like if you can't do any better than that, you got some real problems as an offense. Yeah, and Pitt's offense has been bad. Pitt's defense has been kind of doing this all year. They've been kind of up and down. And dude, I mean, you you can't you can't go on the road against Virginia Tech offense that hasn't done jack shit all season long and give up 427 yards, buddy. Can't do it. <laughs> like, yeah. can't do it. Virginia Tech was eight of sixteen on third down in this game. They were two of two on fourth down. So I mean, you're going ten of eighteen on the big down plays there. Like. Mm-hmm. It can't. The money down situations there for for Pitt just weren't there all night defensively. You couldn't get off the field. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's not know. good. It's not good. And you, I mean, you asked the question: Is is Pitt going to a bowl game? No, I mean, no, <laughs> absolutely not. I mean, you know, not. you know, the scary part of this is you know that they're one and four. I don't. I, I would argue they haven't even played the tough part of their schedule yet. Yeah. Yeah, they've got Louisville in a couple. They got a bye week coming up. Then they got Louisville, and then a couple weeks after that, it's at Notre Dame. And then the week after that, it's home against Florida State. Yeah, and they still got to go to Duke late in the year. Yeah, like and this and is t- to Syracuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, yeah, we might be talking about like a two and ten level Pittsburgh team. Um, yeah, man. And you know, Pat Narduzzi's been there for long enough, and and has enough of an established program that. I, I don't think it necessarily puts his job in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a horrendously timed bad season for a guy like him with the Michigan State job coming open, um, just for what that's worth. Yep. Um, just keep that one in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this is this is not a good situation for Pitt right now. And I, I don't know if this is a quick fix with the transfer portal after the year or, or what. Probably not, honestly, the way that a lot of these ACC programs struggle to use the portal. Um but yeah, they got they got problems. This I think the the most concerning thing to me is the defense. It's it's a clear step back from Pitt defenses of the last several years that we've been seeing there. Um, yeah, it's it's not the same. And, and like they've always had a way of bringing in that like random mid grade three star guy that turns into like a first round pick on uh, you know the defensive end or something like that. Like they don't have that guy right now. No, no, they don't. So. Uh. I mean, Pittsburgh had the issues with the rushing defense against Cincinnati a few weeks ago, and we were all kind of pointing to that like, wow, is that an aberration? And we kind of thought it was because in Pittsburgh's rushing defense the last couple of weeks has been okay, and then Saturday night it just was not good again. just makes you wonder, man, I don't know. They, they've prided themselves on running the football well, which they're not doing right now, and they've prided themselves on stopping the run defensively and being a real aggressive, like tenacious unit. And they're not that mm-hmm. either. So I don't know that their team identity this year is just kind of, is kind of lost. And yeah, Narduzzi won 10 games a couple of years ago, Pickett, he won nine last year, right? They're the two most winning seasons for Pitt in the last 20 years. So he's got some goodwill there for sure. Michigan state's coming open and it is open now, by the way. And, you know, the thing with Narduzzi as a candidate, you argued it one direction, right? It's horrendously timed, right? In that, you know, Narduzzi, 
you know, probably wants to be considered for that position if he was ever to think about leaving Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. But this also screams Jimbo Fisher to me a little bit where you can kind of point to a job and be like, I want that one. And then when they ask you why the current thing is going downhill, you just blame school infrastructure or something. Oh, sure. Yeah. So that would be nice and convenient. And then you just leave, Mm -hmm. you skip down and just go to Michigan State, which is probably like a lateral lateral move football wise. It's just a little bit better because of the conference situation. If you're a Pitt fan listening to this right now, I'm, I'm very curious to get the the pulse of the pit fan base right now. So leave it in the comments on YouTube. Uh, send us an email, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. I'm curious to hear what y'all are thinking right now about this, this program. Um, are you, are you done with Narduzzi? Is this just like a, you know, throw it away, start over next year kind of situation with him of, of, you know, just forget it, flush it and he'll have it fixed for next year kind of thing. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to hear. Genuinely, because I, I'm not sure Pitt's going to win three games. Yeah. Yeah, outlook's not great here. (laughs) No, going to have to have a couple upsets to get more than that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is going to be a really, really bad pit year, I think. Yep. Uh, Anything else in this game, Mike? No, I'm good. 38-21, Virginia Tech gets it done in Blacksburg over Pittsburgh. Uh, Three more here, Mike. Should we hit the headliner, finally? (laughs) Let's hit the headliner. Uh, Number number 11, Notre Dame, 21. Number 17, Duke, 14. Mm. This is as heartbreaking and crushing of a loss for Duke as, as I can imagine. Like, I don't know that you could have drawn up a script to be more like devastating of, of a loss just from an emotional standpoint. Like, man, and, and especially not only like the way that you lose this game, but also what you might have lost at the very end of this game as well. Yeah. Riley Leonard hurt his ankle on the final offensive play of the game for Duke. Uh, he was, I, he fumbled. I mean, it was kind of a strip sack situation, but he was rolled, his ankles rolled up pretty bad. And that was part of the reason why he fumbled. It did not Can't blame him good. there. Um, no, the, the highlight of it, the replay is not very good. Uh, he ended up in the medical tent. Sam Hartman, Notre Dame's quarterback, was out there waiting for him to exit the, the medical tent after the game just to, you know, congratulate him on good game, that sort of thing, uh, before leaving the field. And he left the medical tent on crutches, and we don't really have an update yet, but I don't think it's good. Uh, mm-hmm. Duke's Duke's on by. There was an update an from update. Pete Thamel earlier today, non-season ending. Okay. So probably high. I mean, we were speculating on, on the instant reaction show last night. It was probably a high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. Kind of has that feel when you say non-season ending, but it looked as bad so, as it was. It's not broken, Pro- but yeah. Probably not not broken, but feels that way, sort of. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. Uh, Duke's on bye next week, I think. So y- you get an extra week to heal up. That's probably good, helpful. He won't be practicing much. But this was a game where Notre Dame in the first half, especially, I thought just looked like the more physical team and kind of looked like they were just going to sit on Duke. It was going to be a uh, shout-out solid verbal, but like a crock-potting situation where mm-hmm. – yeah, Notre Dame was just going to slowly pull away, much like we said on the preview. You know, we thought Notre Dame might just grind them to a pulp. It was certainly looking that way. Duke missed a couple opportunities early in the game, uh, missed a couple field goals, missed one before half that we thought was going to be backbreaking. Uh, Duke's coaching staff, I thought, in the second half especially, you know, I thought defensively Duke played well all night, but offensively they made some adjustments, got in the end zone a couple times. And Notre Dame's offense 
had nothing in the second half. Like they, they kicked a field goal, right? So, okay, mm-hmm. fine. But they didn't have really anything going. They're up 13, nothing, uh, end up being 14, 13 Duke late. Sam Hartman converts a fourth and 16 on the run. I mean, Notre Dame was in some deep trouble here. Uh, yeah. I thought Duke, Duke was definitely going to win this football game. It was feeling like Hartman couldn't connect with anybody. He was under heavy pass rush. Notre Dame's offensive line, which has been good all year. Couldn't block anybody in the second half. Duke was bringing pressure from all over the field. And then Sam Hartman, you know, Duke drops eight and Sam Hartman takes off with his legs. Something we really haven't seen too much of uh, since he got banged up last year and picks up 18 when he needed 16. Then all of a sudden it's a couple chunk pass plays, which we hadn't seen because now Duke's on their heels a little bit. And then Audric Estime, who had trouble getting going all night long, breaks that 30 yard touchdown run at the end. It was his longest run of the night. It was a backbreaker for Duke, obviously. Came in with like 36 seconds to go. He goes into the end zone. Notre Dame converts on the two-point conversion. Uh, they ran the cover play, by the way, for us Notre Dame minus five and a half ticket holders. Mm-hmm. Uh, that bet cashed. I I yelled the cover play. I, I was scre- I texted Scott that, and I was kind of yelling it to myself watching it on TV. I was like, the cover play, the cover play, the cover play. Uh, before the, I realized they were probably going to go for two because I would just lost all foresight of the actual game at that point. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to cover here. And then I was actually in danger of not covering. It was 19 mm-hmm. to 14 and realized, Oh, wait a minute. Notre Dame's Marcus Freeman is not, you know, <laughs> he's not playing the spread here. He's trying to win by seven. Mm-hmm. They went for two and got it. I was very happy. And then Leonard play happened, but I mean, Duke, Duke showed really well here. Mm-hmm. defensively definitely had the juice on defense definitely had the juice this Notre Dame team was missing a couple of wide receivers in this game on a unit that already is having some trouble with explosive plays in the passing game and you know two of your good young receivers Jaden Greathouse missed the game and he's been pretty good early in the year for Notre Dame but you know your your two receivers are out you're having issues with explosive plays anyway and Duke took full advantage of it and this this was a good defense coming in, and we knew that they would play hard, but we thought that Notre Dame would kind of grind it out and get a win. That's eventually what happened, but Duke had a much better shot in the fourth quarter than I probably gave him credit for on the preview. Yeah. No, and, and I think it, it is that Duke defense, especially, that is really what kept them in the game. Um, you know, you give up a, a touchdown on the opening drive, eight plays, 82 yards, like right down the field, basically. Um, and then after that, I mean, it was – It wasn't like three and out, you know, just like absolute dominance from the defense, but they kept getting off the field on third downs and and forcing punts and forcing field goal attempts and and that kind of thing. And that's really kind of what kept Duke in this game and gave him the chance to to get the win. Yeah, I mean, seeing that, you know, that they were they were up 14-13 with I think Notre Dame gets the ball back with about two and a half minutes left. And, and Riley Leonard has just pooch punted something, dropped it down on the five yard line. So now Notre Dame has two and a half minutes. They got to go the entire length of the field, basically. And uh, yeah, I mean, they were able to do it, but Duke had themselves set up so well to, uh, to pull off a massive upset here. And uh, unfortunately they, they just, just barely came up short here. So yeah, I, I feel for the Duke Duke fans and, and the Duke program here. This, this is a, uh, that's a tough one to swallow when you realize you, you had it, you know, you just needed one more stop on defense and even just one more play. Like if you can get Sam Hartman to slide at 14 yards instead of getting 16 or 17, 
we're having a totally different discussion here right now. You yeah, know, like, we are. We are. So, yeah, uh, it, it's a huge bummer to see Duke lose this way. Uh, but huge credit to him. That that defense, again, they played their asses off. And and huge credit to Mike Elko and that staff because, man, they I think they really have something with that coaching staff. They and, do. Uh, that, you know, that was a great hire for Duke. And it's it's just continuing to pay like immediate dividends here. So Elko can flat out coach. I mean, mm-hmm. Duke's not supposed to be competing on the same field with Notre Dame. Right. <laughs> I mean, they're just they're just not. And it wasn't even just like, yeah, good try, good effort. And Notre Dame was a better team over four quarters. No, like Notre Dame was the better team for about a quarter and a half and then one possession in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Duke was there and very much had a chance to win this football game. Yeah. Uh, they had the upper hand. I mean, fourth and 16, Notre Dame's got no timeouts left. I mean, th- this was... Irish were in trouble here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this was almost a monumental upset for Duke. And take nothing away from Elko and the staff, right? Just fantastic game. Notre Dame essentially did what Ohio State did to them a week ago, which was... Mm-hmm probably encouraging for those of the Notre Dame fan base, you know, backing Marcus Freeman, kind of wondering if this was, you know, going to be the right hire. Cause you know, you lose to Marshall and Stanford last year, things were kind of ugly there for a time. You lost, to, you know, lost to Stanford tough, right? Mm-hmm. Like the couple losses there last year, you're kind of left scratching your head. Now, yep. you know, you lose to Ohio state, but, the way you lost with the 10 men on the field. And then, you know, you go to Duke, a team that you're just physically better than, and you got, you know, players everywhere and you're just the more talented roster. And, you know, if you were to lose that game on the road in Durham, I think a lot of Notre Dame fans would be like, wait a minute, is this going to, is this going to work out? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you get to calm those questions down for at least another week. Yep. Yep. That's all I got here, Mike. Anything else? No. Solid. Notre Dame 21, Duke 14. Uh, two more here, Mike. Dealer's choice. I want to save Boston College UVA for the very end. Let's let's, let's do it. Let's go Clemson 31, Syracuse 14 at the JMA Wireless Dome, Joey. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, credit to Syracuse. They they kind of hung around in this one and and it looked like they belonged on the same field for a lot of it, but I felt like there there were a couple of just really critical mistakes that Syracuse made that let this get away from them. Uh, they if they had played a really clean game, I think they would have had a chance to win, but they made a couple of massive mistakes. There was a, I, I thought there was a go ACC moment of the, the week candidate here where uh, Garrett Schrader, I think it's like late in the third or in the fourth quarter, basically like Syracuse punts or sorry, Clemson punts. Syracuse takes over first play from scrimmage. They run this like toss sweep out of the shotgun to the right side. I guess the toss was like a little high, or I don't know what happened, but basically the, the running back didn't come down with the ball. Clemson comes down with the ball and runs it back to like the four yard line, sets up an easy short field score. Like there were a couple things like that, but that's just such a massive swing to have happen. And you, you can't have, uh, you know, fluky sloppy stuff happen like that in a case where you're going to try to pull an upset and, and win a game like that. Yeah. Syracuse. I mean, Syracuse goes down. First of all, that was one of three turnovers for Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had nine penalties in this game for 92 yards. Uh, Clemson went up early 14-0. Syracuse cuts it to 14-7 uh, going into the second quarter. So then you're thinking, okay, Syracuse is, you know, they're going to hang around here like we anticipated. Not really. I mean, offensively, like, they hung around early, basically. And then offensively, Syracuse just had nothing. 
I mean, the yeah. turnovers were a killer. Clemson's defense. Joey. I think they might be back. We were we were texting about this a little bit. <laughs> I think Clemson's defense might be back, buddy. Mm-hmm. It gave Florida State hell a week ago, right? Yeah. Gave them absolute hell and Death Valley a week ago. Now they go on the road to Syracuse against an offense that has been functioning at a pretty high level this year and just shut that shit down, Joey. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> Syracuse had nothing offensively in this game yeah. outside of like that first quarter. Had nothing. I mean, Schrader was... Schrader was in a world of her dropping back to throw. Syracuse had nothing on the run. Uh, you know, Jeremiah Trotter had that interception at the end. That, yeah. that was a critical play when Syracuse was trying to stage his fourth quarter comeback, and it just wasn't going to happen. Set the score late. That interception, man, that was it wasn't the best pass by Schrader, but it wasn't terrible. Yeah. Trotter, just what a unreal. Can we like, you know, do the do the sticky stuff check on the hands that we're doing with like baseball pitchers these days? Like unreal play, dude. How did he come down with that ball? That was incredible. That's, that that's that, you know, four or five star linebacker play. Mm-hmm. Unreal. Just unreal play. And then Phil Moffa, the 32 yard touchdown run. There was no real point in this game in the second half where I thought Syracuse was actually going to come back and win this game. It just never yeah. felt that way. Like Clemson just felt like they were steadily in control, keeping it Syracuse at arm's length. And that Jeremiah Trotter play sealed the game. Mm-hmm. And this is this was impressive by Clemson coming off of a heartbreaker a week ago in overtime because Florida State team that Clemson easily could have beaten um, played, I thought, better than Florida State for most of that game. And Florida State just made some plays with their dudes at receiver um, late in that game. And Clemson to not hang their heads, right? You already have two conference losses. What's Clemson's mindset going to be coming into this game? For Clemson to come out and offensively, Joey, play pretty well again. <laughs> like They're figuring some stuff out here offensively, I think. And uh, producer Scott brought this up on the Instant Reaction Show last night. You don't really get a preseason in college football and where you're changing offensive coordinators, right, with Garrett Riley, and you're just trying to get things under control. This offense, and and again, we acknowledged a couple minutes ago that Duke's defense is for real, and that defense that gave Clemson hell in the opener is for real. But if we saw, like, this version of the Clemson offense, maybe that opener, you know, maybe Clemson doesn't win that game, but that opener probably goes a lot differently against Duke, right, Mm -hmm. where Clemson's not, like, struggling to find offense for four quarters. So... This is steadily getting better offensively for Clemson. I thought they had a lot of good moments here on Saturday again. I will say, you know, I I think it's worth calling out that they did have a three-yard touchdown drive, and they also had a 32-yard touchdown drive off the Mm -hmm. Trotter interception. Mm -hmm. So in a game where you scored 31 points, 14 of them came on short fields, which, you know, it it helps to inflate the score a little bit, I think. I would also call out that it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't super buttoned up from Clemson's standpoint. I mean, they, they did turn it over on downs. They had another missed field goal uh, from a pretty reasonable range. They had a handful of three and outs. Like it's definitely, it's not a finished product yet, I would say. And, and again, credit to Syracuse and that defense for, for stepping up and, and trying to com- you know compete and stay with them all day. Um, but yeah, I mean, they clearly got enough done to, to get the win here. Um, so I, I don't know that I have a whole lot of, other than that. I, you know, Clemson avoids the letdown. They, they go on the road and, and again, coming off that game against Florida state last week, like this was, this is a dangerous spot and against a team that's given them a lot of problems and they, they go in and they get the win and do so pretty decisively. So big credit to Clemson here and uh, you know, too bad Syracuse. You, you tried, you tried, you tried. Yeah. Syracuse goes to Chapel Hill next week and hmm. that game opened 
right around double digits. Mm-hmm. And I will take all of that Syracuse stock, by the way. If we're gonna if we're gonna be a nine or ten point dog there, I am interested in taking Syracuse. We'll see what it is when we talk preview later this week, but yeah. I am uh I'm intrigued. I need to go when's the last time Syracuse and North Carolina played each other? Like, I don't even know. It's like a really odd matchup, I feel like. I'm just like, how, you know, what, what is this even going to look like? Yeah. A clash of two very different looking offenses is what I will say. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, anything else? Matchup. What's All-time that? basketball oh, yeah. matchup. Yeah. yeah. This is Without basketball conference. So that's right. That's true. That's true. The one and only. Yes. Uh, Clemson 31, Syracuse 14. All right, Mike. Boston College 27, Virginia 24. Uh, We have so much to say here. Way too much to say about this game. (laughs) Speaking of uh, somewhat heartbreaking, you know, blown lead losses here. uh, Virginia goes into halftime up 21 to 7 off of a Hail Mary touchdown on the final play of the half. Um, and, And at that point, it was just like, and by the way, it took Boston College, I think, almost the entire first half to to get in the end zone, get anything on the board at all. So right. Virginia clearly in control, gets this massive momentum swing play at the end of the first half. There's no way they're losing this game. And then, Mike, they lost this game. Yeah, they did. Uh, pretty simple. Tail two halves. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, BC just was kind of scoring at will in the second half. I mean, UVA's defense. I don't know what happened here, but it was almost like a tale of two game plans. I'll tell you what, from what I know about Jeff Halfley, he doesn't really seem like a uh, mid-game adjustment savant. So mm-hmm. I put this more on UVA than, I mean, you give credit to BC for making adjustments or whatever. This isn't something they do regularly. So come on, Virginia. Like, <laughs> what are we doing? And, Virgin- and- Virginia had something working in the first half, made adjustments at halftime. Boston College adjusted nothing, and all of a sudden it started working better. Like- right, exactly. It was almost like execution was like just a little bit more on point. Thomas Castellanos had a much better second half. He went into halftime, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he had no touchdowns, two interceptions at halftime. He threw his two second-half touchdowns, I believe. Let me go back to the scoring summary here. Uh, yeah, he had his two passing touchdowns in the second half. He had two picks at halftime. Uh, BC was gifting UVA possessions. We talked about that Hail Mary at the end of the half, which in some ways is kind of bad luck, but in other ways, come on now. I mean, it's rough. Yeah. Um, the Ryan O'Keefe play, we, let's bring this up real quick. Boston College receiver Ryan O'Keefe uh, got his bell rung, to put it lightly. Uh, real hard hit. Nothing malicious, right? But um, a tough hit at the beginning of the fourth quarter game was paused for several minutes uh he was immobilized and taken a mass general with a neck injury looked like he was moving his uh both his left and right hand uh as he was leaving the field so i mean obviously that's an encouraging sign i didn't see i i admittedly did not look that hard today because i was doing dad stuff did not see an update on that scott do we have one there i don't know if i don't know if we do but i hadn't seen anything other than what Boston College themselves sent out about what you just said, but I also didn't look. So yeah, yeah, but I know Virginia, uh, Virginia defensive back Malcolm Green. He's going to be okay. Um, he was on the field for several minutes too. He was the one who administered that hit um, on Ryan O'Keefe, and he was down for several minutes. And then was helped off the field uh, by the UVA uh, training staff. So it seems like he's going to be okay. 
But yeah, kind of a scary moment there beginning of the fourth quarter. And then this game gets tied late, and then BC kicks that late field goal. Uh, UVA just didn't have much going offensively at all in the second half, which I guess brings us to this question, Joey, and you were texting me about this. Like, this Tony Musket as a starter thing, and I don't want to throw total shade. This is less about Tony Musket, the quarterback, and more about kind of the direction that UVA is heading at this point. Because I thought Tony mm-hmm. Musket in totality on Saturday played actually pretty well. Um, he had three touchdown passes in the first half. Uh, you know, we were talking about kind of the starts that Tony Musket made before he got hurt right earlier in the year and kind of what he looked like. Uh, versus what Anthony Calandria looked like in relief. And we were like, is UVA really missing an element of their offense when Muskets off the field? I thought the passing game looked, at least in the first half for UVA, looked a bit more refined with Tony Musket in there. I thought he played his best game, especially like the first two and a half quarters or so, played his best game mm-hmm. as a UVA quarterback. But this team's now 0-5. Muskets a senior and Calandria has played and played fine and has potential. And UVA seems to have a bit more in the running game with Calandria in there, which leads me to my next question. UVA, like, what are we doing here? The only thing I can think that would make it make sense to me is, is Tony Elliott feeling some sort of pressure to try to win now? Mm-hmm. Like, that that's the only thing I can think of uh, that that would make any sense here. Of yeah, let's play the the transfer senior who I, I think probably limits your ceiling a little bit. He might raise your floor too. Um, he, he's not going to do some of the things that Calandria might do that might hurt you. But again, it's yeah. I I, I don't know. I don't know what the strategy is here. Yeah. Remember what our friend Tony Bruin said. That's right. Tony Syracuse mm-hmm. came on this podcast preseason and said, would not be surprised if Elliot, if the season got bad enough, if Elliot lost his job at UVA in year two, which seemed crazy at the time. And you and I were both like, well, does he have some sort of info there? Yeah. And t- I'm not you... doubting Tony at all. Tony's tied in. But you think he loses this week to William and Mary? They let him go at the bye week? <laughs> That would be hard to come back from. That would be tough to come back from. I agree. Now, listen, if they lose to William & Mary, nothing would surprise me. I mean, after William & Mary, four of their next five opponents are currently ranked. So The one that's not? Virginia Tech. <laughs> Georgia Tech. Oh, Georgia Tech? Yeah. Or the next five. Uh, the, yeah. sixth one is, the sixth one is Virginia Tech. By the yeah, way. yeah, yeah. So... Huh. Um, yeah, not not a great situation in Charlottesville right now. I this is this is worse than I thought it was going to be, honestly. Yeah, and yeah. you know we'll we'll see how things kind of continue to progress. But I, I'm with you. I don't understand this going back to Tony Musket thing here mid year. I, I I don't know what you're trying to accomplish at, at this point. Like just play the young guy. He's your future. You know you can get him the reps. Try to try to dial it in a little bit. You know and avoid some of the the big mistakes. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Don't and know. Justin Ferber, Justin Ferber's thought three and nine was like firmly in play. I think that was his yeah. prediction. He said three and nine. You and I mm-hmm. said three and nine. We we're kind of all on the same page here on the season preview. Yep. Uh, maybe actually like one and 11. Yeah. That's on the table. 
Yeah. I mean, this is one of the games, this Boston College game and the Virginia Tech game at the end of the year were like the two that you had to have in addition to William & Mary to even entertain like three or four wins. Yeah. Joey, right. Joey said two and ten. Mike, you said three and nine. Justin said three and nine. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So maybe it's not any worse than I thought. Maybe it's pretty much in line with what I thought. I don't know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> show me the two. It's going to have to be William and Mary and probably Virginia Tech. Those yeah. are probably the two games at this point, just looking at the schedule. So not great. Scott, you have a Ryan O'Keefe update for us. Yes, sir. Good news. Ryan O'Keefe was released from the hospital this morning and is back on campus. Beautiful. So, all, all good, good news. Good. There. good. Very good. Okay. Good to hear. Good. Boston nice. College 27, Virginia 24. That's all I've got on games, Mike. Do you want to do some awards? Oh, uh, yes, I do. But real quick, pretty big win for Jeff Halfley there. Like, he needed that one. Yeah. Back. Yeah. I mean, big win is all relative. But yeah, he, he needed that one for needed sure. It. You know, that, needed that's, it. that's a big deal. That can change the trajectory yeah. of the season a little bit, you know, when you just get back in the win column like that. Yeah. Especially after just getting boat raced by Louisville the week before. Like, yeah. Big win. Big wins relative when it's against an 0-4 team, now 0-5. But you were down yeah. multiple scores in this game. It was not looking good. Came back and won. Needed it real bad. But yeah, anyway, let's give out awards. They are four-point underdogs at Army next week. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. Talk about that on the preview. Yeah. Mike, uh, for me, the Go ACC moment of the week has to be from the Georgia Tech game. Uh, Boston College ends up getting kind of a, a or Boston College. Bowling Green ends up getting a pretty short field. I believe they scored a touchdown on because Georgia Tech's offense stalls out. They go out there. They line up to punt, snap the ball. Ball never makes it to the punter. Why, Mike? I, I don't know if somebody wasn't lined up right. I don't know if the snapper is uh, getting a little adventurous with their snapping duties. But that ball went off the up back and turned into a fumble that uh, Bowling Green just fell on. It was, you know, instead of punting on fourth down, now it's a 10 yard loss and a turnover on bounce. So yeah. go ACC to that, hitting the up man with your, uh, with your snap on a punt. Okay, so I, I had this one as my go ACC moment of the week. I'm actually going to morph it into the Brian Van Gorda Memorial uh, You Tried Award. It goes to Boston College. They tried to go into halftime only down 14 to 7. In fact, both teams <laughs> left the field, right, thinking that the half was over before the officials realized there was actually one second left on the clock, called both teams back to the field, and then mm-hmm. BC subsequently gives up a Hail Mary. So, ends up being fine. Boston College wins the game, but down 21 7 at halftime off a of Hail Mary when you thought the half was over. Instead of down 14 to 7, you tried to go into half only down a touchdown. You failed. They are the recipients of the Brian Dick Order Memorial. You try to work out. That is big yikes. Um, the Kobe Bryant Memorial Volume oh, Shooter of the Week Award. Buddy, buddy so many candidates. Uh, there were a lot, yeah. So uh, many candidates. The one that stuck out to me was George Jordan for Louisville. Yeah. He's not He's not going to get this award very much. Um, honestly, Louisville's offense is not going to get this award very much. Yeah. But for today, 16, 16 carries for 32 yards, averaging a crisp two yards per carry. Uh, I believe that would be six feet per carry that he averaged. So, yeah, not great. Uh, no, certainly not very good. Uh, I, I think another nice little candidate here. And then, again, the the yards 
thing kind of skews us a little bit. Fuljakovic was 11 of 22 for 235 and two touchdowns here. Mm-hmm. But really, that all came off of uh, two passing plays. Uh, a 61-yarder uh, to Sebo Flemister and a 75-yarder to Bob Means. Uh, so if you take the 136 yards out on those two completions, uh, he really had like, it was what, 9 of 19 for like 100 yards, basically. So his other his other two yards. completions, yeah, went for about 100 yards. Yeah. Or, yeah. So not pretty bad. Kobe. Uh, pretty bad. Sebo Flemister, 10 for 41. Again, not great in that game either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Jawar Jordan takes a cake, but <laughs> a couple other candidates and on the Pittsburgh side there. Yep. Yep. Uh, Mike, what else? Am I forgetting anything? Yeah. Probably. The Queen Elizabeth, the second Memorial, you died award. Uh, Andrew Thacker. Yeah. Andrew Thacker. I mean, his job as defensive coordinator died. You can also give it just to Georgia tech in general. Yeah. Also, also to Pitt. buddy. Yikes. My optimism. Died. My I optimism. Died. My optimism stock up, but Virginia Tech's almost a four touchdown dog in Florida State this week. Good so grief. Might be might be giving out this U Died award to my alma mater next week. Hashtag pray Ooh. for the Hokies. Like Yeah. Three thirty on national television. I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Glad yep. we'll be able to watch that together. Uh team of the week. <laughs> Play the sound, Scott. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I was going to go with the Falcon sound. That's also very funny. Oh, God. <laughs> team of the week, Bowling Green. Honorary ACC team. Actual Ugh. team of the week, I think, is actually, uh, it's got to be Virginia Tech. Yeah. I think, it's, yeah, it's either Virginia Tech or Boston College. Or Boston, yeah. Boston like College, you, I guess. Your two yeah. main candidates. Yeah. Player of the week, uh, Kyron Drones. Pretty, uh, pretty key it's... candidate there. I think it's drones. He had five touchdowns. So, yeah, that was a kind of breakout showing for him. Standout performance in a uh, huge win for the Hokies there, for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Yep. I think that's oh, all he got uh, in week five. Tyler Brown, another nice candidate for Clemson. Nine for 153. He didn't score, but um, that's a crisp 17 yards per reception. There you go. Yeah. Making He's an been impact. Good. Been good last couple of weeks. Yeah, yep. So Clemson pulling something together in the passing game there. Don't look now. Monitor. We'll monitor it. <laughs> uh, that's all I got in week five, Mike. Anything else? On to week six. More buys. Yep. But slightly more loaded slate next week than we had this week. But uh, we will continue the, uh, you know, yeah, a few bye weeks that we uh, get to get some teams a break. And a couple of them need it. So, yeah, I'm. We have eight games in the ACC next week, but uh, three of them, well, I guess four counting Notre Dame, four of them are against non-conference opponents, which is mm-hmm. kind of strange to say as we enter October. Yeah, Pitt, kind of a strange Pitt time Duke. for it. Pitt and Duke. I don't know. Pitt and Duke. Pitt and Duke off. There you go. There you go. Pitt needs it. So, <laughs> go to uh, regroup a little bit. Need it like they need air to breathe. <laughs> That, uh, yeah, on that note, we will come back and preview week six. Mike, in the meantime, the people can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI together at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, we'd appreciate them coming to find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Uh, hit that subscribe button, hit the bell, 
Uh, we're going to be, again, this season, we will be doing Saturday Night Live recaps and such. Um, so come find us there. That's the best way to find out when we're doing them is to hit the subscribe button and hit the bell uh, to be notified when we are going live. Uh, Mike, we're on iTunes, Spotify, all, all sorts of other good places where you go find your podcasts. Uh, if you're looking just for the audio version, uh, that's where you can find them. Uh, we, as mentioned before, we have the longest email address, no demand, basketball conference podcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. Where else are they on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Instagram at PC podcast, ACC, uh, youtube.com slash at yes, do it for the gram. youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Support our partners in section 103, like Joey mentioned earlier. Also, home field apparel. Uh, use the promo code go ACC for 15% off your first order. Um, also, shout out to the folks at Vivid Seats. Uh, use the promo code BCPOD20 for $20 off your first order of $200 or more at VividSeats.com. Please use the links that in we've tweeted. Please use the links here in the description of this YouTube video, uh, the description of the episode. Use those links. Use the promo code. Helps us. Helps our sponsors. Shout out to all them. So, Yep. Yep. Mike, I think that's it. On to week six. On to week six. Schedule's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep it tuned here. Going to be some interesting games that we talk about when we come back this week and preview week six. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, for Mr. Producer Scott, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon about Week 6 games. And until then, go ACC.